This is episode 211, Letting Go of Mistakes as a Parent with Kathy. Welcome to Over It and On With It. I'm your host, Christine Hassler, and for over a decade, I've been a life coach, speaker, and author. Each week, you'll hear me work directly with a caller as I coach them through a goal they want to accomplish or an obstacle they may be facing. I'll provide a blend of practical and spiritual advice as well as tangible actions you can apply to your own life. Now, let's get on with the episode. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the show. So this week's episode is an episode from a few years ago, and I wanted to re-air it because on Friday, I got married. And to be totally honest, I did not have time (laughs) to record a new episode. So I dug through the archives and found one that was a particular favorite of mine and thought it was a great subject, so wanted to re-air it. It was episode 83, so it's from a long, long time ago. Um, So if you'd already listened to it, I highly suggest listening to it again. A couple of announcements before we dive in. Well, first off, I got married. That's pretty exciting. And my husband and I will be teaching a workshop in London on October 6th. It's a full day, one day retreat. It's called Love Amplified. We're going to be working with you on self-love, relational love, no matter what your relationship status, and higher love, meaning love of a higher purpose and higher power. Stephanos is going to be guiding you through breath work. We're going to have lots of experiential exercises and really give you some tangible processes and practices that you can take back into your life. It's rare that we're in Europe on this side of the world. So if you're on this side of the world, come see us. This is going to be a fabulous event. You can get tickets at christinehaster.com slash London 2019. If you can't find it, just go to my webpage and click on the events tab. Okay. And now let's transition into the episode. This past weekend, I got invited to go indoor rock climbing and I haven't been rock climbing in probably 10, 12, maybe even 15 years. And when I did, I only went once and I wasn't that great at it. But again, I'm building my life down in San Diego and doing new things and getting out of my comfort zone is always something that I'm up for. And so we get there and we kind of play around on the shorter ones where you don't even harness in because if you fall, you just fall on this like padded floor. And then the person I was with was like, let's go climb a higher one. So I pick one that I had previously saw like a six-year-old girl doing. So I thought I could do that one. So I get all harnessed in and I shimmy up the wall and my adrenaline's up a little bit because I haven't done something like this in a while. And I'm using muscles that I don't normally use. P.S. If you ever go rock climbing, be prepared for super sore forearms. And I make it to the top and I feel really satisfied. I feel really complete. But then I got challenged to do a higher one a 55 footer, which I did not want to do. I looked at it and 55 feet might not sound high, but it looks really high and it is really high. And I did not want to do it. I really, really didn't. But again, I got challenged and encouraged to step out of my comfort zone and walk my talk. You know, I'm a coach and it's all about stretching and blah, blah, blah. So I was like, okay, okay, okay. I will do it. And so before I started to ascend the wall, I really committed to my why, to my mission. And it was a simple mission, just getting to the top. But mission and why is something we've talked a lot about on the show, especially when I've coached people on career and purpose, is we need to have a bigger commitment that pulls us through our fear. 
In other words, our why needs to be bigger than our why nots. So my why nots were pretty high. I don't want to, I may fall, I could embarrass myself, my forearm hurts, I'm breaking all my nails. And I had to really commit to my why. My why of, I want to stretch myself. I want to go higher than I've gone in the past. I want to challenge myself physically. And I just want to feel that feeling of, you know, adrenaline and endorphin rush that I know I will feel when I get to the top. It will be amazing. And so I committed to that. And then I also reminded myself that an object in motion stays in motion. One of the biggest keys to success is to have momentum. When I'm coaching clients, we're talking about their why, but we're also talking about the daily things they're doing to keep momentum going. And so as soon as I started, I promised myself I would not stop, that I would consistently be putting one foot in front of the other, one hand on the next rock, on the next rock, on the next rock, and that I would not look down and that I would not look up. And this is a great metaphor because in life, we've got to focus just on that next step. If we look too far up, if we look too far ahead, we get totally overwhelmed and stressed out. And if we look too far down, we get bogged down by our past. So we scale the walls in life. We reach our goals by going one step at a time, focusing on where we are right now in the moment, never looking down, never looking up and keeping that momentum going. So I ask you in your life, where do you need to focus on the right here, right now? What are the one steps you can take daily to keep that momentum going? Remember, an object in motion stays in motion. So let's shift gears to today's episode. And before I play this call, I want to say it's a bit different than other caller questions that we've had on the show in the past. Most people call in and we talk about their parents, but this caller has a question about being a parent. But as you'll hear, her parenting struggles are indeed tied to how she was parented. I do want to caution you that some of the things Kathy shares could be hard to hear. So I want to talk a little bit about acceptance versus judgment and compassion versus sympathy. Many people ask me, especially at retreats when a lot of really emotional and vulnerable stuff comes up for people, how I don't take it on and how I'm able to remain loving and compassionate, but not emotionally affected or taken down by what people share with me. Well, here's how, and believe me, this took a lot of practice. First of all, no matter what people are sharing with me, I stay in acceptance and out of judgment. I do my best not to form an opinion about the person or what they're telling me about. I stay out of good, bad, right, wrong thinking so I can remain neutral and be a clear channel on that person's behalf. My own personal judgment never helps my clients. I am of way more service to them if I accept whatever they're sharing with me neutrally. Does that mean I condone things like lying or cheating or abuse when people share that with me? Of course not. But I don't judge it because then I will not be in a place to really help heal the issue that is perpetuating the behavior or circumstances that most would judge as bad. Now let's talk about how I don't take stuff on. Believe me, over the years, I have heard some really tough, intense stuff, often just heart-wrenching things, and I definitely feel them, but I'm conscious about staying in empathy and compassion versus sympathy. What's the difference? sympathy has a judgment to it. When we feel sympathy for someone, we're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that happened to you. That's so bad. That's pity. We're feeling sorry for them. 
And whenever we're in sympathy, we take on people's stuff. It gets in our body. It gets in our head. We worry about them. Our heart breaks for them. We cry for them. That's not compassion. Compassion, co means with, passion actually means suffering, is being with the suffering of being able to hold that space and say, I so hear you. I so feel you. And I'm with you. And I'm just holding this loving space. We can be with that person and we can feel that love and compassion for them in our heart, but we don't take it on because we're not judging it. Before we dive into the coaching call, I want to tell you about one of my favorite shoe companies, Rothy's. I love Rothy's, especially because they're so stylish and comfortable. And here in Mykonos, especially where it's all cobblestone streets, I need comfortable shoes. They are the perfect everyday shoes for life on the go. They go with everything from yoga pants to dresses and skirts. Plus, Rothy's always comes with free shipping and returns and exchanges. No risk, no worries no reason not to try. And it will blow your mind that they're made from repurposed plastic water bottles. In fact, Rothy has diverted over 35 million water bottles from landfills already. Another major bonus, they're fully machine washable. Every time they need a refresh, you can simply toss them in the washing machine. Rothy's also owns and operates their manufacturing workshop where they prioritize sustainability every step of the way. Rothy's shoes ship directly in the shoebox. No unnecessary packaging. They are feel good flats in more ways than one. So here's your call to action. Go to rothys.com slash over to get your new favorite flats. Again, rothys.com slash over to get your new favorite flats. They are the shoes you've been waiting for. And now on to the episode. Hi, Kathy. Welcome to the show. What's your question? Hi, Christine. Um, okay, so I have been having some issues with um, my oldest daughter. She's nine years old, and she happens to like have like a really low self-esteem. I'm thinking is what it is. Everything with her is I can't do it. It's too hard, or um, she's like really emotional for everything. Like she really takes everything out on her. She has two other siblings, two younger sisters. Um, so I'm just worried mostly about if, you know, what I've done to help create this in her and how I can also like help reverse anything that I may have done, you know, that may have caused, contributed to her low self-esteem or to her kind of like quitting attitude and her I can't do anything attitude. Oh, and she also has a lot of like social anxiety. She was diagnosed with like ADHD twice. She's a very energetic kid, very high vitality. She has a great heart. She loves to help people. She's super sweet and nice. Um, she likes to do gymnastics and flips and all that good stuff. But yeah, she like struggles like socially. Okay, so it sounds like she's just a beautiful, bright young girl, and I can tell how much you, you love her. And I also really heard you say, you know, you're wondering what you did to create this. Mm -hmm. And I think that every parent looks at that, you know, looks at how they're impacting their children, both in positive ways and maybe ways that they wouldn't call so positive. So as you've asked yourself that question, Kathy, how do you think that uh, you've played a role in this or what do you think she's learned from you that may be impacting how she's showing up? Yeah. So definitely, um, I'll be honest. Um, 
and it's probably because of the upbringing I had as well, but um, when she was my first child, obviously, <laughs> but um, because she didn't uh, really start speaking at the appropriate age, she kind of didn't really start making sentences since she was like four or five. Uh, she was really more of a that kind of kid that will make noises or gestures instead of um, speaking out loud. <laughs> Um, and trying to uh, say what she wants in words, I would get really frustrated because I felt like I couldn't communicate with her. Punishments would turn into like corporal punishments where I would spank her or hit her and I would feel like really terrible when I would do so. And um, I guess I just felt like um, also I was in a abusive relationship um, for the for the time around the time she was like two years old until about she was like four or five. Mm-hmm. It lasted for like about two years. So. Mm. Um, so she kind of maybe had, I don't know, like I've always, she probably only saw like stressed out, cranky, you know, mom or um, inexperienced mom, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. I feel like I made all my mistakes with her. Mm-hmm. And now that I have the two little ones, I I try not to make the same one. But I find myself going back to what, you know, I think works or what uh, my parents taught me, you know, the corporal punishment Mm -hmm. is the only way to get your kids to listen or whatever, you know. So that was something that happened to you as a kid when you were misbehaving, you got spanked. Mm, Yeah. Okay. And how do you think that impacted you? I remember my relationships with my parents not being really good. I kind of like was always upset with them for hitting me. It didn't definitely did not make me want to obey any more <laughs> than I already was, you know, after uh, being hit. So definitely I always, I always figured it wasn't the best way to go about things. But I kind of got like resolved right back to the physical. Right. So you said something really key. You said it didn't make me want to obey anymore when you did get spanked. So as a little kid, what do you think would have worked? What do you think would have made you quote unquote obey or just, just listen to your parents more? Mm, I think it was if they had been a little bit more open with their communication and not been so stuck in their ways. How were they stuck in their ways? Well, because my dad also was brought up with corporal punishment. Like, my mm-hmm. grandma had 12 children. She was an immigrant. Um, she brought her kids from El Salvador over here. And um, she kind of, like, most of them were boys. Maybe she had, like, two girls. She was pretty tough with her children. And um, I remember the stories he would tell me about how, you know, um, she would beat them sometimes with cords and cables. And just, you know, it was like mm-hmm. just very physical, very corporal punishment. Right. And um, I don't think there was much of a communication. And it was more like put downs. Like my dad has always been one that's just like his way of lifting you up is by putting you down, if it makes sense. Like saying, oh, you're a loser, kind of like making you think he thinks that that's like the way that 
you're going to want to do better. <laughs> right, right, yeah. And I find myself going back to those things. Right. Well, they were all you knew, so that's what you're going back to during times when you're frustrated. Because let's face it, parenting can be frustrating at times, especially when you feel like your kids aren't listening. But you also have the opportunity to break some major generational patterns because it sounds like you've got several generations of people who who never really felt loved by their parents, so they just kind of passed on the corporal punishment to the next generation. And that's, that's what you're doing too, but you're on the phone with me right now. So that means you have the awareness that, Hey, maybe this isn't the best way to parent. And maybe I do want to change this because how did getting spanked make you feel about yourself? I don't think good. Most of the time I felt like even I felt I was a good kid and I was getting punished for ridiculous things like being 12 years old and shaving your legs. Like it was like ridiculous to me. And um, it just made me more angry, if anything, towards them. Yeah. And what do you think it did for your self-esteem? I do remember growing up hating being a girl. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because everything was just, like, so much harder. Yeah. It seemed like for me to even just be a kid and have fun and just, like, go outside and play or just wear the things that didn't seem like bad things to me, like shorts or skirts or whatever, you know? Yeah. And can you see, Kathy, that your daughter is continuing the cycle of Mm -hmm. not feeling good about herself and then taking it out on her younger sisters, like she's already kind of right. in the cycle. You see that, yeah? Right. I do, and I kind of feel like, well, wow, she's mirroring me, yes. and I am not liking it at all. Right. So I really acknowledge you for being on the call with me because that means you're you're willing to change, right, which is amazing. Yeah. How do you think you need to adjust in how you parent? Well, what I have been trying is I explain more to my children why it is that I'm requesting them what I'm requesting of them to do. Mm-hmm. I try that. Okay. Um, well, let's. When they let's... don't listen, though, I go back to feeling like I have to punish, and or if they don't listen, then then I feel like I have to hit or. Right. Yeah. And do you have a spouse now? Do you have a partner now? I do. We don't currently live together. Okay. So you're the primary disciplinarian. Yeah. Yeah. And what's the situation with him? We are, we just found out that we are pregnant. (laughs) With your fourth. And he's, yes. Okay. And it'll be our love child. (laughs) We're excited. Um, Congratulations. Thank you. And um, he's just waiting to finish his lease up at his place and so we can, you know, actually formally start our home and our family. But yeah, I'm the primary. He's very, honestly, he's been the reason why I've actually done so much better. He works at a children's home and he himself came from like being in abusive um, homes, from being in the system. Uh, from being in the foster care system, and um, he loves helping other kids, and he's the reason why I've gotten so much better because he showed me so much more self-control and Mm -hmm. patience with children. He's actually been, like, almost like Kevin's fan. He's awesome, but um, I feel like the issue is me. Yeah. You know, it's 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. So I definitely, there's definitely lots of parenting resources out there that you can look at, but I think that the main issue here is that, you know, you haven't really healed a lot of the trauma and, and physical punishment from your own childhood. And what tends to happen is whatever unresolved issues we have, um, we end up playing them out in one way or another. So you're going to, there's, there's work to do with little Kathy, (laughs) the little girl inside of you who didn't want to be hit and wanted to be understood, you know? So if you could kind of go back to when you were younger, maybe when do you remember starting to be spanked? Was it when you were pretty little? I don't remember when I was really little. I do remember, though, um, I remember my older siblings getting spanked when I was really little, <laughs> watching that. Watching but, that, so um, it's in your life. Okay. But I um, I think the first one that really hit me was when I was, like, 12 years old, and my dad told me I couldn't shave for some reason. I wanted to shave the hair off my legs now because I was hitting puberty and stuff like that, and um. He caught me and he kind of like, after I got out of the shower, um, he decided to take like one of those electric cords that you attach to the uh, a plug and you use for lighting and mm-hmm. if you do like mechanic work and stuff and he kind of like used that okay. to make an example of me because I was the oldest one also at my house from my mom's side. So. Yeah. Well, Kathy, sweetheart, I'm sorry. Your dad really stayed with me. <laughs> I'm sorry that happened to you. I'm sorry that you got hit and got punished in that way. And I, you know, you have my compassion because no child ever does anything bad enough to deserve being physically punished like that. And whatever was going on inside your father or whoever was doing it, you know, obviously they had their own kind of unresolved stuff inside and and they were probably beaten as a kid and they didn't know any better you know, and that's hard for us to understand because we think that people should know better than to hit a child. But a lot of times people are doing the best they can based on their experiences. So this is not about Mm -hmm. making anyone in your family wrong. It's more about Mm -hmm. making it, make it, making it right inside yourself by healing it. So if you could just go back and, and say something to that 12 year old girl, like if you had a really loving parental figure in your life back then when all this was going on, what would you want them to say to you? Um, and this is like really tough. <laughs> You're making me tear. Um, That's okay. That's actually good because that means we're hitting the issue. Um, I'd say that not to worry that your dad obviously does not value the girl and woman that she'll be one day. Mm-hmm. What else? And that you did not deserve that. Yeah. What else? Anything else you'd want her to know? Um, that you're amazing just the way you are. Mm-hmm. Born as a woman, as a girl, and you should never feel ashamed of it. And... So you deserve way more love than he was able to show you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You didn't deserve to be hit. 
You didn't do anything that bad that you deserve that. So what's the emotion that's coming up now? Um, I guess pain and sadness. Yeah. And if you could give voice to that, what would it say? That I'm upset. Mm-hmm. That I'm angry. That it's not fair. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So just finish this statement. I'm hurt because... I'm hurt because what my dad did was not fair. Yeah. Was not loving and was not what I expected of him to do. Yeah. What did you want instead? Um, a more understanding, loving father. Yeah. And did you have a lot of, um, you know, structure, supportive structure in your life, like family dinners or parents that showed up at like recitals or sports games, or did you have a lot of that kind of supportive structure in your life? So, um, not really. I uh, did um, varsity soccer for the four years that I was in high school. I was a very active kid, um, did dances and everything. Even though my dad, I took up after him because he was, I, I grew up watching him play soccer. I kind of like enjoyed it because of him and I went into it and never really showed up for any of my games. Never had any support on anything really that I did. As it was mostly I was always being punished even though I was I felt like for things that I hadn't done. I think I thought I was a really good kid, good in school, did my chores, you know, did everything I was asked for. Um everything was really strict in the home. I couldn't even go outside and play sometimes. Like it was like really really upsetting so and then my mom was just like she'd rather just even if she would speak up for us it's kind of like she'd let things ride just because well that was her husband and she'd rather be okay with her husband I don't know uh, for the time what was going on there she didn't really kind of defend you or stand up for you yeah okay right so so there's a lot here, Kathy, and probably more than I can get to in in just this this podcast session. So I have a couple questions right. for you. Mm-hmm. Have you worked on on any of this with a therapist or counselor before? No. Okay. No, it's kind of just in my own personal research and knowledge and helping myself out. Okay. Well, there's, you know, there's a reason why coaches and counselors exist because there's, there's only so much we can do on our own and we need someone that has the training and the awareness of psychology and, and sort of what happens to us developmentally when we go through something like this as children to help us reprogram ourselves. So we don't play it out because what it sounds like is, you know, you're, you're in some ways becoming like your father, and I don't think that you want that. Right. No, I don't. Yeah. I know how much you love your daughters. You have another child on the way. Are you open to starting some counseling and going consistently and, and looking at this and working with that younger Kathy so that you don't have to continue to play this pattern out? 
Yes, of course. Okay. Definitely. Okay. And do you know where you could start to research it? Or do you know of anyone that knows a good therapist? Like, how will you go about doing this? I just really want to hold you accountable. Um, I can ask uh, my insurance who would be covered under my insurance. I could start that way. I don't personally know any good ones, but I can see what's going on around here. <laughs> great. That would be great. And, and when you're looking, see if you can get on the phone with the person beforehand and tell them a little bit about what you're, what you're looking for. And you, you definitely want someone that has some experience in working with parents and also working with people who've had some kind of trauma in their childhood because getting, um, was it just that one time that you got physically hit or did it happen repeatedly? No, it was a few times. Okay. So that is traumatic, right? Right. And you want to work with somebody that, that has some experience in that. So I love that you're open to exploring counseling. I think that's a beautiful next step and something that I would highly recommend getting going on before you give birth. In the meantime, I'm going to give you a couple of things that you can start to implement now. Okay. Okay. So the first thing is, do you have a picture of when you were little? Yeah. Okay, great. So I want you to have a picture that you look at every morning and every night of, of you as a little girl and all those things you said about you didn't deserve it. You're amazing. Just the way you are. This isn't your fault. You deserve more. You're so lovable. You're a beautiful little girl. I want you to start saying those things to yourself, to that picture of yourself every morning and every night and say it, maybe put your hand on your heart and say it until you really feel it. Can you do that? Okay. Okay. Because part of what's happening is that little girl inside of you is getting activated. She's getting triggered so, so, so much. And she's angry. Not only is she sad, but she's angry. And so a lot of that anger is sort of leaking out on your own children. Okay. Okay. So that's the first thing. And then I also encourage you to, to research some books about discipline and parenting so that you learn some new skills. And that could also be something the counselor may work on you with, but on your own, you could re- I mean, there's so many resources out there about parenting and discipline and things like that so that you don't have to get so upset that you end up hitting your girls. Cause I know you don't want to do that. And I know you probably then beat yourself up for doing it. Is that right. true? I do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I do. Yeah. And you don't want to do that. Like you just want to end the cycle of abuse on all levels, you know, towards yourself, right. towards your girls, towards reliving what you endured from your father. It's just really time to stop the cycle. And you wouldn't be on this call with me right now if you weren't ready, willing, and able. I believe in you and I know you can do it. I know you can okay. do it. And in those moments where you're feeling really angry and like your girls aren't listening, I want you to try to start giving yourself a timeout. Instead of hitting them, go into another room and scream into a pillow or hit a pillow, you know, because that energy gets triggered and it needs an outlet. So just, just take yourself out of the room and scream into a pillow. 
or hit the pillow or something like that. So you're not directing your anger at them. And then also one of the reasons I asked you about supportive structure in your life, um, do your girls have a lot of supportive structure in their life? Like, do you have family dinners together? Do you have routines and rituals that they actually like? Uh, yeah, we have um, dinner time together. Okay. And um, they like whenever I might put on yoga, we do yoga. <laughs> okay, that's great. Mm-hmm. That's great. And where do you experience them having the hardest time listening to you? Like what, where does it get most tricky and difficult? Um, at home, apparently they're pretty good anywhere else. <laughs> they listen really pretty good, you know, in school and at, uh, pre-K and, uh, daycare. They're pretty good. Uh, with me, they seem to tend to let loose. <laughs> okay. And a lot of this may be because, you know, they're, they're hurt and upset too, right? Because if they felt like they've been yelled at, um, that's, that's gonna, they're gonna lash out towards you. It's just, again, it's just kind of like this cycle. She definitely tells me all the time she hates me yelling at her. Yeah. Yeah. So next time that happens, next time she tells you that, could you say, well, then teach me how to talk to you in a way that you will have me listen. How would you like mommy to talk to you? Tell me exactly what you would need me to say to have you listen. Because I'm not mad at you. I'm just mad at the situation because I don't feel like you're listening to me. And it's important you listen to me because I'm here to take care of you. So if she's nine, she has, you know, better communication skills and she can start, you know, start talking some of these things out. And I think it's important for her self-esteem to... Make sure that you're acknowledging her a lot, appreciating her a lot, not just for like good grades or a pretty dress, but who she is as a person. Acknowledging her courage, acknowledging her spirit, acknowledging her creativity, acknowledging more the qualities than the accomplishments about her is going to be an important thing. And then anything that you can do to give her responsibility that doesn't necessarily feel like a big chore, but that will improve her self-esteem and help her feel like she has more of a sense of purpose will help as well. But again, this is like a, you know, you've got three kids, you've got another one on the way. You've got sort of this, um, generations of not so great parenting. You didn't have good models at all. And I'd love to just be able to give you one thing that will solve all of this. But my biggest encouragement to you is get help. You didn't have models. You didn't need teachers. You're on your fourth child. You need better tools, Kathy. And you've got to really take responsibility for getting them. And, and, and calling me was a great first step, but you need more. You need a counselor. You need parenting tools. You need to talk to other parents who you believe are really doing a good job at parenting, you know, so that you, you don't become the parent that you didn't like. Right. Because I know that's not what you want. No, I want so much more for my kids. Yeah. Yeah. Does this give you some guidance? Does this help a little bit? Yes. Yes, it did. So what are your action steps moving forward? Well, I'm going to find some help, (laughs) a counselor, someone in the area, and I'm going to get a picture of myself and say those nice words, those kind words and affirmations to myself. Every day, night, and um, 
stop the abuse towards my kids. When I see, when I feel the anger coming up, just instead of dismissing them, dismiss myself. I could come back with a fresher head just so that I can think clear mm-hmm. and I can communicate better with them and as well acknowledge that they're little people and give them some responsibility also in asking them how would they like me to speak to them. Yes. Yes. And then get some parenting tools, books, friends, podcasts, get some more tools. Okay. And that was a great recap. You're so coachable. You're, you can so, you can so shift this. I so believe in you. I can tell that you're an amazing mom and you have so much love to give your girls and they deserve the best of you. Right. And it's not that you've been giving them the worst. You're just, you've just been giving them what you've known and, and you've just been kind of giving them your kind of unprocessed hurt and anger. They deserve better and you deserve better. Right. Thank you you so much for your honesty. Thank you for your courage and thank you for breaking the cycle. Thank you for helping me out and listening. You're really helpful. I love listening to your podcast. Kathy is such a sweetheart and you can hear her willingness to change, which is so inspiring. I hope when you were listening, you were able to separate her behavior, sometimes using corporal punishment on her children, from her character. Her behavior is a reaction to her past. And you heard a little bit about what she went through. She did not have an easy childhood at all. There was not a lot of love and support there. Her character is the part of her that got on the phone with me and spoke so openly about her concerns about her daughter and how much she wants to be a better mother. I acknowledge Kathy for her awareness, honesty, and commitment to being a better parent than the one she had. Let's talk about this call a little bit. First, the biggest theme is around generational patterns. Often in parenting, we end up playing out behaviors we learned from our parents until we really become aware of what we don't want to pass on. A friend of mine recently shared with me that when he thinks about being a dad to his 10-year-old, he considers what he wants to pass on from his parents, like all the good things, and then looks at the things that he wants to either upgrade or leave in the past. And it takes that kind of conscious awareness. It is not about villainizing our parents or blaming them. Our parents are people. They were doing the best they could. I've said many times on this show that parenting does not come with an instruction manual. Again, they did the best they could. Oftentimes their parenting was a reaction to their own hurts. And just like we play out issues in our romantic relationship from our past, we also play them out in our parenting. To stop repeating generational patterns, first it requires awareness of like, oh, wow, I'm becoming like my mother or I'm becoming like my father. Then a healing of any of the hurts we're still carrying around. Then a reparenting of ourselves, connecting to that little boy or little girl and being that loving parent that maybe we didn't have. Then a deep compassion and forgiveness of our parents. Of course, this process takes some time and can be intense because it requires us to go back and do some healing of things we may not fondly remember. That's why I strongly encourage Kathy to get professional help. I knew there were many layers to her question and I did not want to just give her some parenting tips on how she could improve her daughter's self-esteem because I could sense the real issue was with her, not her daughter. Her daughter was just picking up and then mimicking her unresolved issues and reacting to her parenting style. So my primary intention was to just get Kathy to step one of the steps I mentioned above, awareness. 
real awareness of ownership. And she did. And with that, we were also able to get her to start connecting to little Kathy, to start to talk to her, to start to tell her the things that she wanted to hear. You know, and I asked her in the call, what do you want? And she said, a more loving, understanding father. So now it's really about becoming that loving, understanding parent to herself. So I felt that if I could get her to awareness and to an initial connection with younger Kathy, then she'd really be encouraged and motivated and committed to moving to step two, which is healing the issues by getting some support and counseling. And you heard, she was really, really on it. She knew her action steps and she was going to do it. And I'm going to follow up with her in a couple of weeks and see how she's doing. And an important thing to all you coaches out here, first, when clients share things that are hard to hear, remember, don't go into judgment or sympathy. If you catch yourself doing it, just say, I forgive myself for judging or I forgive myself for feeling sorry for this person. Then shift back to acceptance and compassion. And I think this is great advice for anyone, not just coaches. It doesn't serve anyone to judge them or take on their stuff because you feel bad for them. Even though we may really think we know something we don't, we must give people the dignity of their process. And one last thing before I move on to takeaways, and I just, again, want to openly acknowledge Kathy's honesty because these kind of conversations are how we stop the cycle of abuse, emotional, physical, sexual, or mental. Abuse continues because the victim never heals and the victim then either becomes the abuser or totally internalizes the abuse and has a lack of self-love, a fierce inner critic, and may even end up a people pleaser to stay safe. But internalizing abuse is still abusive. The cycle continues. Often people do not share about their past abuse because there's so much shame. And again, the cycle continues. And this is not just true for abuse. This is true for any generational pattern you don't want to pass on. So my strong encouragement to you, my request of you, so we can stop a lot of these generational patterns that need to stop, is to break through the shame and or denial. What cycles Do you want to stop? Do you need to stop? What generational patterns are you committed to breaking? And now some assignments for you. This is a tip I've given many times before, but I love it. Having a picture of little you when you were a child, anywhere from an infant to, I don't know, four, five, six, and just commit to really looking at that picture and sending love to that little boy or little girl inside of you. Next, if you are aware that you need to go back and do some healing of memories, some healing of issues, get some help, get a counselor, get a coach, get a professional to walk you through it because just self-help books aren't enough. Sometimes we need some assistance and someone really there holding space for us so that when we go into exploring those scarier issues, we feel like someone has our back. Also, if you're reactive either with your children or at work or with someone you love, See if you can time out yourself. You know, there's a part of us that's going through the experience and then there's another part of us that observes ourselves, that can observe our behavior. In expectation hangover, I talk a lot about this on the behavioral level. So if you have expectation hangover, go back and review using the scientist technique and become an observer in your life. And if you don't have the book, you can get it on Amazon. And like I told Kathy, give yourself a timeout if you're feeling like a lot of anger, you know, scream into a pillow, go into your car and scream, let it out or do release writing so that you don't end up leaking your own anger on other people. And using a little bit of advice from my friend, really look at, all right, what do I really want to pass on from my parents? What did they do that was really, really great that I really want to share? And what 
do I need to heal? What do I need to stop? And I'm going to give you two book recommendations. The first one is a book that I read in my grad program when I was getting my master's in spiritual psychology, and it's called Family Secrets. It's by John Bradshaw. This book gives you the tools you need to understand your family and yourself in an entirely new way. And it really is the path from shame to healing. And another book for you parents out there is called Conscious Parenting. And this is a book that really helps you look at your own issues so that you can parent your child in a more inspired, healthy way versus a reactive way. Sending you so much love and many blessings, everyone. Have a beautiful day. Thank you for listening to Over at Non With It. I love hearing from you. So please post your comments or questions at christinehasler.com slash podcast. That's also the place you can sign up to receive coaching from me in an upcoming episode. And if you love this show, please share it and subscribe in iTunes. You can find all my social media handles and sign up to be part of my community at christinehasler.com. Until next week, here's to getting over it and on with it. Much love and many blessings.